Hello and welcome to another episode of the Back Check, the Hockey History Podcast, where we evaluate players' cases for the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley. That's Bill. Hey, how you doing? I am doing good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Great. And uh, today we have a passing or assist-focused episode. Um, we have our recently inducted players, Adam Oates, who uh, is, you know, I don't know what he is. Seventh all-time assists. Uh, we have his contemporary, Craig Janney, who was in in some ways had a similar career until he was hurt, um, who is our uh, our eligible player. And then finally, we, uh, we, we already talked about Frank Boucher, who would have been our best old-timer because he led uh, the NHL in assists for like the first, I don't know, 12 years of its existence. But we have the second, the guy who was second, who was Reg Noble, who was a forward and then a defenseman. So he really doesn't fit our theme, but it was as close as we could get without like going too far into uh, too far closer to the modern era. Um, so we sort of have a theme this time, unlike last episode. Uh, so we're starting with Craig Janney, our eligible player, uh, who, whose career began in 1987. He played for 12 seasons, uh, but in that time, he somehow managed to only play 760 games, uh, which is not anywhere near 12 seasons worth of games, especially given that I wasn't one, a couple of the seasons in the early nineties were like 84, right? Uh, yeah, there was a, there was a brief time period where they did play 84 games. I don't know how long it lasted. Yeah. So um, that, that further emphasizes that Craig Janney did not play full years because, uh, that's 760 games in, in 12 years is uh, in, in the 80s and 90s is not something's missing there, I think. Um, so uh, he is he's notable. Uh, the reason why we're talking about him, you may think, why are you talking about Craig Ganny? I don't remember him or or whatever, or he wasn't that good, is that he's 14th all time in assists per game. And he is the first American all time assists per game by nearly uh, 0.1 assists per game, which is a lot. So uh, he was, at least when he was healthy, he was a uh, premier playmaker. Um, that may have been inflated by when he played, but uh, regardless. Yeah, I, I remember him being a very uh, very good player. I was watching enough hockey at that point to be quite aware of Craig Janney. got a few of his hockey cards. Um, I remember him in St. Louis. Um I just remember, I, I remember thinking of him, you know, like, I don't know if I had this expression in my, you know, 11 or 12 year old lexicon at the time, but he was, he was the poor man's Adam Oates. <laughs> like, well, if you couldn't fun. get Adam Oates, eh, like Craig Janney's pretty good too. He can dish fact, the puck. A team, a team made that decision uh, by giving up Adam Oates for Craig Janney, but we will get to that. Um, but which is another reason why we're talking about both of them. But I, I have, I have heard, People say poor man's Adam Oates about Craig Janney many times, actually. Um, so I think he did have that reputation, especially since Adam Oates came in the league a couple of years prior to him. Um, they were, you know, I think though Adam Oates had a way longer career and a higher peak, I think uh, many people viewed them as similar players. It certainly seems like that. Yeah. So we have the draft. The 1986 draft in which he was taking 1986 draft. 13th overall. I was just looking it up. Apparently, the NHL played the 84 games for two years in 90, 
93, 94. Okay. And that had jumped up from uh, 80 games, which I guess yeah. they'd played for like the last 11 years or yeah, so. Yeah, a long time, yeah. And then they hopped down to 82. I guess they decided a happy medium between the two was fine. Um, kind of weird. Uh, but I guess yeah. they... I guess it's been the same since 95, 96. So. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right to me. So, um, Jenny is, uh, by many standards, uh, one of the better players in his draft. He uh, He's a top 10 player in goals, uh, top three in assists, uh, top four in points, but he only he's eleventh in games played. So, because mm-hmm. um, he was hurt all the damn time. Yeah. Uh, so good draft. Well, fairly good draft. Uh, it is a decent draft. I mean, there's no yeah. other than what maybe uh, Brian, Brian Leach. Brian Leach. Brian Leach far and away the best player. Well, um, uh, yeah, far and then and then Donbus. But yes, Brian Leach yeah. was obviously better. But Joe, Joe Murphy was very good for a time as well. I know he, a lot of people sort of um, talked about his career not being that great, but he had that, uh, he was an excellent player who I think his career got derailed by a lot of other things, not just uh, hockey. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah fair enough. It's unfortunate. He's a super talented guy. That's for sure. And then there was a uh, Tapo Newman and um, yeah, good old Tapo. In terms, in terms of journeyman, Adam Graves, who uh, Bill remembers more fondly than maybe he should be. Why well, I, I don't know fondly. I th- I just remember him being a lot better. Maybe it's just because <laughs> maybe it's just because we had to play against him in ninety three, ninety four. So I remember him a lot more than other people. <laughs> it's just like he was really good, but for a very short time. <laughs> you know? um, Jimmy Carson was in this draft. Yeah. Who um, famously was very very good for a very brief period and then flamed out. In some yeah, way. another one kind of like Joe Murphy, like he was, he looked like he was going to be, you know, an elite player and then just only had a, only had a few years in him before yeah. either injuries or off ice stuff caught up with him. Um, uh, uh, Ron Tugnuck was probably the best goalie. Yes. Yeah. Good old Ronnie Tugnut. Charlie Zalapsky, double Z or double Z if you're an American. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zalapsky was, it, it was just great to get his hockey card every time you're like, who would have named their kids Zarly? Like, I guess if you have the last name Zalapski, you're like, I'm, we might as well go for it. <laughs> but uh, he, he was a good player. He was a really good, solid NHL player for years and years. I remember him on the Whalers. And uh, he was, he wasn't like an elite defenseman, but he was one of those, like, you're a good number two defenseman for many yeah. years. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's yeah, maybe Scott Young, <laughs> Tom Fitzgerald, Lyle Odelheim. I'm just going through like the top games. Uh, Lume. Oh, um, Yerky Lume. Yeah. AKA the best defenseman the Canucks have ever had, <laughs> which <laughs> explains why we've never won a cup. <laughs> well, I don't know. You could make an argument for Jovanovsky or Oland, maybe. But, oh, I was going to say Oland, yeah. Yeah. Well, if Oland didn't have that eye injury, I think he would have been, a, he would have ended up with a much better career than he had. And he still had a really good career. So, but yeah, for years, Yerky Lume was about as high as we got. <laughs> but this is like, you know, it's it's a decent draft. It's it's all right. Yeah, Rob Rob Brown was a very good skill player, um, and if you put him with other good players, boy, could he put up points. So uh, yeah, there's there's a, a Tim Chevelday was a solid number one goalie, even though you know he was kind of the reason Detroit didn't win for some years. I think when they were starting to become decent. Um, I did not know how to pronounce his name, so thank you for that. 
Oh, you're welcome. I didn't um, want to say I his name. I can't believe you don't remember Kim Travel Day. I must I have. Say, like, I just wanted to say Chieve Dale, even though that's not how you spell it. Yes. My <laughs> modern dyslexia looks at that and it just says it's Chieve Dale. Chieve Dale? Yeah. <laughs> that's not even close. <laughs> I know it's not even close. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure I have, I still have hockey cards of his lying around somewhere if my mom didn't throw them in the garbage. Um, yeah, but there's there's a lot of guys who made the NHL that I remember the names. Mark Jansen's, uh, Ronnie Stern. I had an old Ronnie Stern hockey stick. My my dad got one time. It's like, you hey, go. you know these guys. You know the Calgary Flames are coming through town. I picked up one of these sticks. I'm like Ronnie Stern. Oh yeah, that guy's in the NHL. <laughs> I, I remember. I have one of his hockey. There's cool. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's there's some decent players in there. You know, like uh, <laughs> solid NHLers. It's definitely not. I mean, and we're talking once you get into like rounds four, five, six, there's still guys. Rob Stauber. Ah. Um, F. Daniels, not the actor, the hockey player. Yeah, I'd forgotten about his existence. If I knew about it. I That's the thing. I remember a lot of these like obscure old guys. Rich Pilo, he was great. He was a real tough guy, a real tough customer. And so sometimes he'd be he'd be Pilo and sometimes he'd be Pylon if people went around him a lot that game. <laughs> uh, but he, he was tough, man. Boy, he didn't want to mess with that guy. Um, yeah, man, that was a, that was a big, solid Murray Baron. Oh, baby, Murray Baron. Um, what draft round eight? Murray Baron. There's some there's some good solid hockey players in this draft, and it goes deep too. To see if there's any like home run guy that ended up near the very like round 12 sort of thing, but nope. not fun, anyway. no, but still, yeah, I love talking about the old drafts and sort of revisiting where people went, seeing some names that you haven't thought of in years and years and years. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's I always enjoy looking at the drafts too. Um, I uh I re sorry, I realized I was looking at the like era thing I did, and I did it slightly wrong. I I screwed up a year, so I had it as like, um, you know, uh, seven hundred fifty games between eighty six and ninety nine. That's not fair to Janny. It's actually between eighty seven and ninety nine. So no wonder there were so many players who played that many games. Mm. Um, so I was just like, oh, I should try to fix this while we're talking. But that's you know, kind of difficult. Um, so basically, uh, Janny doesn't look good. Um, when you, uh, when you look at him in his era, unless you look at his per game stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to try to bring that up because like I said, I screwed up the, uh, I screwed up the, um, the era by a year, which gave him 112 comparable players instead of 86. So that's a lot more. Um, so uh, he's 10th in assists per game out of the 86 players who played the same, uh, at least 750 games in the, that 12-year span. Um, and he is in points per game. I'm just going to um, bring that up. But like, it's interesting to uh, know. Oh, 15, so 15th in points per game in that same period. So that sounds pretty good. And it is, except for the fact that this guy, who is 10th uh, in assists per game over this period, is 14th all-time assists per game, which just goes to show you how unbelievably bloated the scoring was at the time. Yeah. Because, like, there's not a lot of people who have managed those numbers 
before since that era. So he was as much as he was putting up points, everyone was putting up points, which is something we've talked about a lot. Um, but he, uh, you know, he was he was, uh, you know, he, he was he, he. I mean, it's not his fault when he was born or anything like that. But like, it is it it does make his assist per game numbers slightly less impressive when you realize that like there were nine players who were scoring who were putting up more assist yeah. per game than uh, uh, than he was um, during that period. One of whom was probably Adam Oates. Yeah, uh, you, know, you got to think he's playing in an era where Gretzky would have been one of yeah. those guys. Oates would have been one of those guys. Lemieux would have been one of those guys. Like it were it, probably Iserman, I would say, might have had more assists that, during that period. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so I mean, like we're looking at like absolute slam dunk Hall of Famers that yeah. are above him. You know, like he's. Yeah, I I don't know if I want to necessarily go right away and say that he belongs, but I think he's definitely somebody that you can have a discussion about. And it's it's it. I'm just reading, you know, a few more little things that I read before, but just reminding myself uh, about his career. And uh, he apparently was playing hockey, and it was sort of like a hobby, like he wasn't that serious about it. And then the Americans won the uh, won the 1980 gold medal, the Miracle on Ice. Yeah, and apparently after that, he was like, I'm gonna I. I got to go play college hockey and try to make an Olympic team. And he did make the Olympic team for the 88 Calgary Olympics. So it was only eight years later and he was on an Olympic team and uh, he played against Brian Leach for a lot of years. And Brian Leach said when they were 12 years old, the, the, his, the, he was playing against them and he said their coach put a shadow on him when he was 12 because he was so good and they couldn't stop him. And Craig Janney just sort of laughed and just went around the guy and got all of his points anyways. Like they just couldn't stop him. Um, and then, you know, there's all kinds of other Hall of Famers saying great stuff about him. Cam Neely, who played with him, obviously. And, um, you know, he just how great he was at setting people up. And Brian Lee's talking about the small little passes he'd make, you know, which is like sort of that. Because that's the thing. People who watch hockey nowadays, there's so much cycling that goes on in the game. Yeah. They don't remember the Gretzky's office sort of days where people like be, being good at controlling the play behind the net. Yeah. Was so important. Like to to have a guy set up down there, and I think it's because there was more room, um, or maybe it was less room. I think there was less room, so you couldn't really get to the guy as much. And then they they changed it and they added more room in the back. I guess the way it used to be, and it changed sort of the importance because the defenseman could sort of get in there with a better better angle. I think you couldn't use the net as much to protect yourself from that defenseman. Yeah. But like once Gretzky sort of did it, and everybody goes like, "Oh my God, we can do that!" It was like. Just actually, I think Gretzky said he wasn't the first one to do it. He learned it from somebody else. Um, if I remember correctly, I should probably look that up. But guys like Jenny and Oates and Gretzky, like they would just set up back there and you're like, somebody's going to get open in the slot. And he's such a good passer that he's going to put it right on the tape. And it was just so hard to stop. Yeah. Like Gretzky picked up so many points like that. It was crazy. Um, and so basically, you know, the article's talking about guys and just saying like he had those little passes that were you know, sneak it through a guy's skates and then it's a one-timer and it's in the net sort of thing, like that he was so great at that kind of thing. I think maybe what I remember from him, I haven't watched a ton of his highlight tapes leading up to this, but um, he was sort of like one of those slight guys like a Gretzky and just the passing was just so good that that's what kept him in the league. And it, you want it, you want to maybe say like he was a bit of a one-trick pony, but it's like every forward who played with him scored a ton of goals because he was Ooh, a great yeah. passer. So it's like maybe you say he's not 
a great all-around hockey player, but as in terms of just a pure passer, he's he's pretty damn good. Well, you look at who like just with just as with Oates, you look at some of his wingers, and there you know mm-hmm. there's a bunch of guys who are in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, Brett Hull and Cam Neely being the most famous. Um, and you do, I always wonder, especially with someone like Brett Hull, to what extent um, playing with people like Janney and Oates helped yeah. his numbers, right? Because Absolutely. like he was so specific about where he needed the puck for a lot of his goals that like if he hadn't played with guys who were capable of doing that for him, yeah. he might not have led, the, you know, scored in the, what was it, the 80s at one point? When he scored, like, ooh, he scored 80-something goals one season, right, I think? Red Hull, yeah, it was 86. Yeah, so, uh, you know, like that, I mean, we don't know, obviously. We, yeah. we can't go back and put someone else on as a center, but, like, the fact is is that both Janney and Oates were doing stuff like that, and it's it's, you know, they were able to do that not just for him, right? They were doing it for other players as well. Yeah. So, uh, Janney uh, averaged nearly a point per game. Um, I forgot to mention he was a minus 13 in his career, and uh, at least some of that came from the fact that he was on some not great teams over the course of his career, I believe. Uh, yeah, specifically, uh, actually, yeah, so... so. Uh, when he was on San Jose, when they were terrible, he was a minus 35 in 71 games. <laughs> that basically accounts for it. Anyway, um, but yeah, he was 81 points in 82 games. Obviously, if you adjust for error, that hurts him. Um, his uh, his three-year peak was uh, 98 points per 82-game season, so pretty damn great, but also at a time when lots of people were averaging 100 points a season. Um, his playoff numbers... Uh, Slightly less than a point per game. Again, 110 points in 120 games. But as we've talked about before, there's often a bigger drop-off than that in the playoffs for lots of players. So that's, you know, um, that's that's good that he's almost at, at a, a point per game. The other thing is that, is it, as I said, the adjusted hurts him, but he's a, a 24th instead of 14th all-time in, in adjusted assists per game, which is still, you know, being top 25, I think that's still quite good. Um, and I uh, I sort of have, a, I'm not saying I think he belongs, but I, I sort of, my rule of thumb is always like, if you're in, in the top 25 in something when you retire, you're definitely worthy of consideration Yeah, for the hall. Um, but the really, the crazy and interesting part about Janney for, for us, I think, is the sheer number of trades he was <laughs> In yeah, his career, pretty nuts, which is insane, and probably had something to do with the fact that he just couldn't stay healthy. Um, he played one full season, two full seasons in his entire career, two full seasons, um, both of which were eighty-four game seasons. Actually, no, sorry, one of them was a uh, he played eighty-four games in an eighty-two game season because he got traded. The other one, he played eighty-four games in an eighty-four game season. Um, but aside from that, he never managed to be healthy, and so. Our thinking, or at least my thinking, was that that's one of the reasons he got traded a yeah. whole bunch. Um, so the big, the the biggest one is probably the Adam Oates trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so which is our segue, which we're doing early because uh, we're not going to talk about him for a few more minutes. But basically, he was traded uh, by Boston uh, to St. Louis uh, for uh, Adam Oates and uh, Stephen 
couldn't tell. And that um, had to be, my thinking is, as you said, Bill, Craig Janney is the poor man's Adam Oates. But the other thing he was, was the five-year younger Adam Oates. That's true. So my thinking, I think that has to be, oh, we're going to get, oh, sorry, I said uh, four Adam Oates and Stefan Cantel. It's with Stefan Cantel and yeah. four Adam Oates, which makes way more sense mm -hmm. um, because Adam Oates was, of course, the more prestigious player at the time. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, but yeah, so basically it seems like um, they're getting younger, basically. The whole thing is like um, St. Louis wants to keep succeeding with their core, uh, like with Brett Hall, and they just they want to move Adam Oates because he's going to be 30 soon. And, you know, Craig Janney is essentially the same guy, but, but five years younger, or roughly yeah. five years younger. Um, and that, I mean, I think that seems like a totally reasonable move to make without knowing how injury-prone Janney would be. Yeah. Um, well, I, or how long Adam Oates would play, right? Like, yeah, that's right. You don't know he's going to play till he's, you know, in his late 30s and still be a really effective passer. Yeah. Um, you know, you know that Janney's a good passer, so you assume he'll be able to do the same thing with Brett Hull. Um, yeah. But, you know, Brett Hull, um, he's got, I think, three out of the top uh, top 10 goals per season. Yeah, that sounds right. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, no, it's 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 not quite. He's uh, he's got three out of the top fifteen goals per season ever. Um, seventy goals, seventy-two goals, and eighty-six goals. Yeah, and those come uh, three years in a row. So it's uh, 89, 90, 72 goals, ninety, ninety-one, eighty-six goals, and ninety-one, ninety-two, seventy goals. What I don't know is if one of those came with Janney or if they were all with Adam Oates. Those are. Oh, with Oates. Um, That's what I thought too. Yeah. But, but uh, Neely was playing with Janney at the time and having yeah, yeah, yeah. almost as much success as Hull. And, That's true. Um, so I think I think from St. Louis's perspective, it's like, well, we're going to get Janney, who is yeah. just a younger version of Adam Oates. And Boston's perspective was probably, um, you know, Adam Oates is is better um, and veteran. Or something, and like you know, Boston was good, but like hadn't been able to like you know, Boston had been in some finals, right? Well, they hadn't won. Yeah, exactly. So presumably they'd be adding Adam Oates for some veteran, um, some veteran leadership. So not long after, two years roughly, two years afterwards, uh, he gets uh, traded again. Yeah, almost exactly two years after, uh, he gets traded again. Um, this time, um, he gets traded. Uh, from St. Louis to Vancouver for uh, its compensation, though. It's a free agent compensation, yeah. um, which is weird. Uh, actually, this is where it gets really weird. Yeah, sorry. This, there's a little stretch here, which is really, really confusing. Because I don't believe... Jenny never played for Vancouver, right? So I it's don't like, believe so. Yeah, I think so they really they, wanted him. And... Yeah, so... I, I looked at this, like, weeks ago and was like, okay, I finally understood what happened, and then I forgot to reread about it before this um so basically uh st louis had signed nedved and vancouver um like somehow got janny and a draft pick who became dave scatchard you're happy about that uh <laughs> 
the Scatman. For for Ebed. But then seven days later, he was traded back to uh St. Louis. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for Jeff Brown, Brett Hedigan, and uh, someone named Nathan Lafayette, who I don't know. Which so oh like, yes, I, Nathan Lafayette. So I actually like I have no idea what happened there. Um, I if I did read about it a few weeks ago when I was doing the research and was like, what the hell is going on? I don't remember, and I clearly should have read about it because it is bonkers. Um, my guess being that some kind of backroom deal happened. Um, where like you know because like something something weird happened there right like because like medved is poached do you do you remember the um we we're talking about the scott stevens one where the the yeah. compensation and the arbitrator ruled and they're like you're giving them what yeah. <laughs> and ever the other team's like okay then thanks a lot that's great we appreciate it um so back then like if you if you offered uh, a restricted free agent a contract and they they assigned that offer sheet then an arbitrator ruled on it so you didn't know what you were going to get in turn like yeah. now it's it's set in stone right if you sign this guy for $8 million a year for seven years, you're going to get four or five first round picks. Like it's set, the compensation set based on the dollar amount and the length of the contract. In those yeah. days, it was just like, yep, yeah, we'll just get a, we'll just get this arbitrator to take a look at it and he'll decide what's fair. So he could just poach any player from your roster that he thought was equivalent and maybe a pick and just send that the other way. And the teams are like, we didn't want to give up that. Like, that was not the point of doing this offer sheet sort of thing. But once the arbitrator decided that's what happened, but I'm, I'm guessing what happened in that one was that, um, Jenny didn't want to stay in Vancouver. And so yeah. the Canucks basically found other stuff that they wanted from, uh, St. Louis and then ended up getting Jeff Brown and Brett Hedekin, who were both very good defensemen, uh, and Nathan Lafayette and Jeff Brown and Brett Hedekin were instrumental in that, uh, the Canucks, uh, run to the Stanley cup that year. Like so, Jeff Brown was, he, you know, reignited that power play and was like by far their most important defenseman offensively. Yeah. Um, and Hedekin would be a very good defenseman for them for years. And Nathan Lafayette's the guy that hit the post in game seven and game seven with five minutes left. Okay. So I, I, with I was... Mike Richter, you know, have basically flailing across the net and having no chance and Lafayette hit the post. And he was, ugh. you can go watch the clip. You can find it on YouTube. It's I'm not going to watch it. Cause it's going to depress me. Every time oh. I see him shoot the puck, I think it's actually going to go in this time, and he hits the post every time. Very upsetting. So Nedved had held out in contract talks, and so that's why it happened in March. Yeah. So he was not – he was holding out, and so he was restricted, and, and they hadn't extended him. And so a little bit, I guess, like Nylander this year, he was just refusing to play. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's when um, – Janney was traded, and then, of course, I think you're absolutely right. I think something along the lines of either Janney was unhappy in Vancouver or they had some other kind of deal where that had been what the arbitrator said and the team sort of agreed outside of that. Like, well, we don't, we're not okay with this, so well, what if we trade? We, we, we really need some defensemen. What if we trade Janney back? Yeah. Um, exactly. Also, while I was doing this, I, I I realized so that we have some um, some NHL gossip, which I do not know how sported it is because there is no footnote in the Wikipedia article about this bad Wikipedia. What? 
Um, Bad. His ex-wife, Jenny's ex-wife, is mm-hmm. the current spouse of uh, I don't know what current means um, of Brendan Shanahan. Oh, really? And apparently, oh, the my. reason that Shanahan was traded to Hartford is because of this. Now, this is the kind of thing you hear on like hockey forums and boards all the time. And the fact that there is no uh, footnote here makes me very uh, suspicious of uh, of that claim because I've heard it about a lot of players that they like that they were uh, traded because of affairs. So I think that's usually when someone's traded, no one can figure out why someone usually says it was an affair. You know, now I mean it's factually correct, I guess, that like Jenny's ex-wife married Brendan Shanahan, but like the rest of it, who knows? Anyway, there's a lot of those stories that go on in the. Yeah, uh, in the NHL, and I don't want to, you know, name too many rumors, but there's many, many rumors about guys getting yeah. shipped out of town for. Oh, I think that guy was sleeping with his wife. Uh, yeah, it's all kinds of stuff. There's rumors in Montreal about that's why Chelios got traded. There's rumors in Vancouver about that's why Jeff Brown eventually got traded. Like, I, I, I think Edmonton. Those, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of those rumors get started, and no one knows how true they are. Like yeah. nobody, um, you know, it's so, just like, oh, I heard from. I heard from somebody's uncle's sister's brother that uh, yeah, somebody, yeah, it's always that, right? Like it's always that. So to to give you an example though of how how quickly Janie's career, not necessarily his career was falling apart, but how quickly his injuries were becoming a problem for him, a year after he was traded back to to, uh, well, a year after that whole snafu where he was uh, traded as compensation for Peter and Evan and then traded back. Um, he was traded to uh, San Jose at the deadline for uh, Jeff Norton. And some draft picks, I'm guessing, right? Future considerations, which are not specified on ah. hockey reference. But maybe if I looked it up on pro sports transactions, they might actually have the, what the futures are. Yep. Um, but basically, it's it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, they, and St. Louis sent cash. Yeah. So presumably, Jenny had a big contract. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then a year later, because this is Craig Janney, and he was traded a ton of times. <laughs> a year later, he was traded to Winnipeg uh, for Darren Turcotte and uh, a second-round pick who became someone named Remy Royer or Royer. Remy Royale? <laughs> no, no. If you don't know who that guy is, you should look him up later. <laughs> okay. He's fantastic. Uh, he's, he's He's a guy who does basically like epic karaoke stuff <laughs> he, oh, okay. he was at the Oktoberfest last year singing up a storm after the tornado almost canceled one of the nights <laughs> he's just oh, okay. he's something else let's put it that way he's a he's a real showman <laughs> i do not know yet so yeah it's a, i'm sure you can find a video of him somewhere he's great so uh not him but somebody with a similar name um, who i've never heard of and then uh so and then he's in traded again for a year and a half or a year to bit no two two in a bit years, um, where he's traded to Tampa for Louis DeBrusque and a fifth round choice, and then he is traded less than a year later, one more time for uh, a sixth round draft pick, which is uh, which became Feder Fedorov, which just goes to show you how far he had fallen in seven years from being traded for Adam Oates to being traded for a six round pick. Um, 
and by that point he was uh how old was he um what did i say he was he was uh 31 and he had he was playing fewer and fewer games and he retired at the end of that season when he he and he was like he was really not you know he put up 0.6 per uh, points per game for tampa uh in the uh in that first half of the season and then he point put 0.3 points per game in the like the last 18 games he played for the the Islanders. So he was really, um, he was running out of steam um, and injuries were, and he was barely playing like 11 minutes a night. So uh, he definitely, you know, injuries had taken their toll and he was, he'd gone from being well over a point per game only a few years earlier to being, you know, like that's way, way, way down, right? Like his, his, uh, his year with the Islanders is not good. Yeah. Or part of a year with the Islanders. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it's just, to me, it's like he's, he's, he's been very good when he's been able to play, but none of his numbers pop except for the like assist per game number, because he just, he never, never playing full seasons. And, um, he never seemed to put up any numbers that just like sort of in, in spite of playing with very good players. Um, like, like if if you compare the way that he played with, you know, Hull after Oates was there, and then you compare the way Neely did with Oates versus how he did with Janney, I think that's where you see the real comparison um, in yeah, terms yeah. of those goal numbers. And like, there's there's a pretty shocking difference there. You know, Hull's Hull had those three seasons of uh, 72, 86, and seventy. Uh, then Oates gets traded, uh, and then Neely was hurt at the time. But by the time they both played a full season together, Oates and Neely, Neely scored 50 goals in 44 games that year. Yeah. Which was like, I think the second fastest anybody's ever done it. Like it was insane. And it's just, yeah. you know, so I, I think that sort of points to how, you know, Janney was good. Oates was great. You know, yeah. like, I think that's what it points well, to, you know. In Janney's defense, uh, his best season ever, which is 93, which is everybody's best season ever. It should be pointed out. <laughs> um, Especially the Habs. He had a hundred. He had a, yeah. He had hundred and six points, which is his career high. But Brett Hall scored fifty four goals, and Shanahan had fifty one. Wow! And so that line, yeah, was just, uh, you know, they were. It's just it just happened that they were maybe a little better distributed between yeah. the two wingers than when Hull was playing with Oates. But yeah. uh, and Shanahan had either not been there or was really or was young. I don't remember what year he came over. Um. But you know, to just give you an idea, like I, I don't. Uh, Jenny wasn't anywhere near the top scores that year with 106 yeah. points, right? Like that was the year. I think Mario had 160 points that year, or something, if memory serves. And I, you know, I, Doug Gilmore had 127. So I, I'm just noticing the trend right now. I don't know why I'm just noticing it right now, but for a team that's never won the cup. St. Louis has a shit ton of Hall of Famers. <laughs> like yeah. Scott Stevens, uh, you know, Pronger, McKinnis, um, yeah. uh, Federico, Shanahan, Oates. Like they had a ton of guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they even had Gretzky very briefly. <laughs> they did. Howard Chuck uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like that's, that's a lot of guys. Yeah. So like to give you just, just to go back to the 93 season for a second. The number five, there was a tie for fifth in scoring in terms of points that year, 132. 
So Jenny was that far off the pace with 106. Like, I don't know. For some reason, Hockey Reference only shows the top five in yeah. terms of points. But like he was, though he had a, a he had a, he was uh he was seventh no sorry he was eighth in assists per game that season. <laughs> Oates being second. Um. Anyway. Uh. So you know he he was he was in some ways a product of his time, right? Like he just he he was good as you pointed out, but he was also playing at this point where offense was just kind of through the roof, and when he was healthy. He had pretty good years, but he also, I mean, like we said before, he played two two full seasons in 12 years. And a lot of the time missed a lot more games. Like there's only, he he managed 70 games five times out of 12 years. Jeez. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, he just, he was hurt way too much um, to really see, you know, maybe he would have, who knows what if he had played more? Whether his per, per his per game numbers would have been as impressive, or they would have gone down, or if he had been healthier, they would have gone up. We don't know. Um, but he did like he you know he did do some things. He was top five in Calder voting uh, in his rookie season. Um, <laughs> he did manage. He was not a goal scorer, but he managed twenty five goals once and twenty goals four times, and he managed eighty assists once, which is a lot, and a hundred points once. As I said. Uh, but somehow he was only top five in assists once. And he was only top 10. He was top 10 in assists per game four times. So, it, you know, you compare that. He was 14th all-time in assists per game, but he was only top 10 in assists per game four times. Like that, that to me says something. Yeah. Um, also, he didn't have a lot of team success. Uh, like you said, Bill, he went to the Olympics, but that was not a year that the U.S. did good or did well, rather. Um, he was the best forward on the Bruins in 91 when they went to the conference finals. Um, and he was a top three forward when the Bruins went to uh, the finals in 88 and 90 um, when Neely would have been their best forward, I believe, on both of those teams and Bork probably their best player. Uh, but like beyond that, he didn't really... Um, you know, he didn't really have a lot of other team success in the NHL, and he uh, he had one. Um, he basically had one good international year where he his uh, team lost in the Canada Cup, but they were still at least second. Um, and he was one of the the star players actually for the U.S. in uh, in 1991. But that's about it. Yep. So, I mean, for me, even though there's a part of me that says, like, someone who's, like, top 25 in certain things should be in the Hall of Fame, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it either. I um, I, I, I kind of, I want to. Like, I want to give them, I'd, I'd sit down and have a discussion about it. Um, you could try to make your case if you're a huge Craig Janney fan, or Craig Janney himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I just, he's he's close. It's like, you knew he was... You knew he had Hall of Fame passing skill. I just don't think, and I'm usually the kind of guy like, oh, injuries cut this guy short, but he was like undeniably great. Yeah, I don't think he has a year, you know, even his 106 point season. I don't think you can point anything and say he was undeniably great. You can only say he was undeniably very good. Yeah, and you know, was a great center to put with strong. Wingers, like he's clearly a number one center. I just don't think he's an elite number one center like an Adam Oates, you know. 
Yeah. And yeah. I, th- I think yeah. unfortunately that's sort of that poor man's Adam Oates, which by the way is not is definitely not an insult because Adam Oates is <clears throat> other than Gretzky might be the greatest passer of all time. Um I don't think it's you know, it's just that Jenny, I think just quite doesn't quite have um a, a strong enough case to say that he should go into the hall. Yeah, yeah. I'm I agree. Now, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's already in the American Hockey Hall of Fame and I think he just belongs there. Yeah. But for the Hockey Hall of Fame, I think I'd have to say no. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of Adam Oates, <laughs> we planned this so well. Um, he had a very different career than Greg Jenny did, despite being traded for him. Uh, he played mm-hmm. a hell of a lot longer. He played 19 seasons, um, but in doing so, played not quite double the number of games. Um, 1,337 compared to Jenny's 760. Um, so, you know, not double, but like a lot more and, uh, played well into the 21st century. And, uh, he is also seventh all time in APG where, or assist per game, whereas Janney is 14th. And that's yeah. what I was adjusting. If you adjust for era, um, at Oates is 10th, whereas Janney's 24th. So it even clearer now that some of that is. Oh, it's played way longer, and so his his later years are are not as you know, in the years he played like ninety five on, he gets a lot more credit for those assists in the yes. adjustment for error than, uh, and he has a lot more of those assists than Jenny did. Yeah. Um. So Oates was undrafted. Wow. Famously, perhaps one of the most famous undrafted. I thought he was one of the most famous undrafted players. Oh, I would say yeah. I think he might be. Like I don't him know. and Newendike, I feel like, are the like poster children, or were prior to St. Louis. St. Louis, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he so uh, he is uh, of uh, so we usually talk about drafts, but obviously this time we can't. So of the uh, twenty-three uh, players to not be drafted to play at least a thousand games since uh, expansion in 68 or 67, 68 rather Oates is um, in the, just outside the top 10 in goals. Uh, but he is second in assists, assists per game and points and fourth in points per game. So he is by that standard. Anyway, the second best undrafted player ever. Um, I should have written down who number one was in that. Um, but that <laughs> might include someone who would not, if there was someone who like, you know, it could be someone like Jean Rattel who like, you know, just played enough games post expansion, but who wasn't drafted because he yeah. played before the draft or whatever. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. I should have, I sh- clearly should have, uh, uh, written that down because I'm curious well, now. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through the, uh, the list of, uh, of all time undrafted players and, uh, they're going through. We've got Dan Boyle, uh, Curtis Joseph, Brian Rafalski, uh, who we've talked about, Marty yeah. St. Louis, um, who you've already mentioned, um, Boria Selming. Um, but again, that's like, a, you know, we weren't really drafting Swedes back then, so it sort yeah. of makes sense that he wasn't drafted. Uh, Joe Mullen, um, Dino Cicerelli. So we've got quite a few Hall of Famers here who uh, were undrafted. Peter Stastny. Um, ended up with oh, 1,239 be... points in 977 career games. I would say he's probably the guy that uh, yeah. 
you're yeah. looking for for that stat. Um, and then of course Ed Belfour and Adam Oates round out the top ten. And then they mentioned some some modern guys like Bobrovsky and Giordano and Tyler Johnson, Chris Kunitz, etc. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know who it is. Well, that far, but you know. You know um, who it is. It's 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 so it's so unbelievably obvious. You're gonna kill yourself when you you find out who it is. Go ahead. It's Wayne Gretzky. Oh yeah, because you know, yeah. <laughs> it's not really true. If he could have been drafted, he, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, he no, I know. It's it's one of those tricks that you always like. You always, I always get tricked, uh, tripped up on, right? Like, anyway, <laughs> I always just like always forget because I feel like he was drafted in the WHA for some reason, or and then like I don't know. I feel like something happened there where he was drafted, but he, you know, like so many WHA players were drafted by NHL teams and just played for the WHA. And exactly. so I always in my mind, I always think that happened to Gretzky, even though that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, now we got that out of the way. Um, so, uh, let's play for a long time of the 18 players to play 1250 games between 85 and 2004, which is nearly 20 years. Um, he is again, Almost top 10 in goals, but he is first in assists and assists per game, and he's fourth in points and points per game. So he's one of the five best forwards of his era, at least uh, by those metrics. Weirdly, Aki's references offensive point shares ranks him uh, eighth, um, which, I mean, that must mean that he was on some uh, teams that didn't win as much at some point, which I feel like maybe the Capitals are to blame for that or something. Uh, I don't know. Cause that's, it's funny that he's, I guess he's just uh, when he was on the, the Capitals and Flyers and later teams in his career, they just weren't winning enough. Um, yeah. Cause that's what point, uh, point share is a, you know, it, it's a rough estimate of how much he contributed to wins. So um, his 82 game average is great. It's 87 points per season. His three-year peak, get, compare this to Janney's. So Janney's was like 98 points per 82 games in the early 90s when everyone was good. Oates' is 132. So to me, that really does say, as you said, poor man, uh, Janney's poor man, Adam Oates. Because that mm -hmm. is like, that is a big difference. Yeah. Huge. Like, it's a slightly different season. Like uh, um, Oates' peak was 90-93. Janney's was uh, 91 to 94, which makes sense because Janney's younger. Though Oates' peak should have been earlier, but like still, like 34-point oh, difference is, is uh, crazy. Um, Oates scored, you know, a little bit less than a point per game. Uh, 146 points in 163 games in the playoffs, but minus 12 in the playoffs while being plus in the regular season. Um, I should look up what particular playoff team disaster did that to him. Uh, oh, specifically in 1990 for St. Louis, he's a minus 10 in 12 games, which is ouch. Yeah. I want to think. But they must have had a bad second round or something. Um, and uh, he's 16th all-time in playoff assists per game. So that's also very good. Um, if you adjust for era, he is very, very good. Um, 
seventh all time in assists, twentieth all time in points. So, uh, to the trades, one of which we've already talked about, but that's because uh, you know that's our link between Janny and Oates. So the fir- before that trade, Oates famously um, he was, or I don't know how famous it is, but he was uh, he was signed by the Red Wings, and they didn't. I guess they hadn't decided that he was going to be anything because he didn't really have a great, you know, he didn't have an Adam Oates-ish start to his career, I guess is a way of putting it. They had one season with them where he was putting up more than a point per game. And that was in the late 80s when everyone was doing it. So they traded Paul McLean and Adam Oates for Bernie Federko and Tony McKegney. Jeez. When Bernie Federko was already 33 years old. Man. <laughs> that is not good. Really not good. You can say future Hall of Famer Bernie Federko. It doesn't matter. Jeez. I don't think. Uh, Bernie Federko's year for Detroit was 57 points in 73 games in 1990 and a minus eight. God. So that did not work. That yeah. was a bad deal. Really um, bad deal. I I don't I don't know at the time. I guess you could be saying you're you know you're Federico is the guy who's going to put you over the top or over Tony McKinney. Yeah, uh, but like Oates was. Oates, the thing is, Oates was 26 because he was a college player who was you know who had played all his four years or whatever and didn't wasn't drafted. He was already like. Mid to late twenties, so he was yeah. no longer a prospect. So maybe Detroit just was like, "This guy is—he's only ever going to be, you know, a second line player or something." Yeah. And we need we need veterans because we gotta, you know, we gotta turn this 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 team with like a high scoring Steve Eisman, but not playoff success, into something else. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 weird, and the the thing is too, like. That's kind of a weird deal, but I think that the opinion of college hockey players back then was so low. Yeah. You just assumed the guy was never going to become a great player. Yeah. Like, so few of them had done it at that point. Um, yeah. But I, I think nowadays we would think as like, oh, you're coming in at like 26-ish. Like, you're, you know, you haven't already hit your, like, people are talking about people like... Uh, you Yarvi right now is like, oh, he's a bust. It's like, I think the guy's not even 20 yet. Like, maybe we yeah. should slow down a bit, but it's like people expect the development to go so fast nowadays. It's hard to remember that back in the old days, you did used to have rookies or guys breaking into lineups when they were 23 and 24 and they had paid their dues in the AHL and they were finally getting a shot at the NHL level. Teams were very veteran heavy back then, like yeah. big time compared to now. Um, so I think that might be sort of a factor of like, let's trade for some veteran guys to give the team toughness and all that kind of stuff. And like, uh, Oates is expendable cause he's, you know, hasn't done anything in the NHL yet sort of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. a college player, so he won't. Yeah. I'm sure that's what the rationale was. And I mean, no one could have known, No, but it does still feel like in retrospect, it's really easy to criticize. Uh, but just, yeah, I mean, I guess also no one could have known Federico had w- literally one year left and it would be the worst year of his career. Yeah. I mean, 
but it is he's it's one of the you know when people cite all the players who play forever they all you know it's 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 one of those things where they just look at the the exceptions and not the rule right like people go on and on about like guys who play forever like Messi Messier and Eisenman and stuff and and Oates but there's all these guys who didn't and yeah. Federico being one of them and uh, now no one could have known Oates would play forever or how good he was going to be especially given he only had one point per game season prior yeah. to the trade but like i mean i don't know i i wouldn't be surprised if someone looked back at all the players throughout history that Federico is like having a bad year at 34 was probably not that crazy no no i don't think so no it's, and then uh, so sorry yeah it's just it's one of those things where um especially i, I think it depends what position you play but yeah. there are certain positions and style. I think styles of play matter a lot too, where I, you know, it could be like, you know, some sort of injury that wasn't, you know, highly publicized where it's like, Oh yeah. And then he lost a step and just wasn't able to get it back. Yeah. But I think typically anybody who plays a very robust game, whether they be defensemen or forwards defensemen, a little bit less um, in the old days. Cause you could be sort of that slow shot blocking penalty killing six defensemen on a team and provide toughness. Yeah. I feel like that's almost disappearing completely now. Yeah. Um, and power forwards are still super useful and they tend to bloom kind of late, like about 23, 24. But by the time they're 30, maybe 31, they have put their bodies through so much and almost all of them just fall off a cliff. Like, you know, people think of Jerome McGinley as like, you know, ultimate power forward, but that's why he's a hall of famer. It's like him and a guy like Cam Neely. It's like, they were able to put their bodies through, you know, that kind of punishment, but still keep the off. They still they had the offensive skill to go with it, so their numbers don't drop off. But like every guy who plays like that, just happened to Lucic. It happens to so many guys. They hit that thirty, maybe thirty-one, thirty-two. Travis Moen, it happened to like a really solid NHL player, and all of a sudden, just like, oh my god, that guy can't play anymore. And it's like, yeah, his body's not going to let him do it anymore. This, was, that was style Paul, of play Paul McLean was the power forward, right? Sorry? Wasn't Paul McLean a power forward? Um, I'm not that familiar with him. Um because okay. I was gonna say that if 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 he was, the same thing happened to him. He got uh he got traded to St. Louis uh St. Louis along with Oates, and he had like he basically had one decent year for them, and the next year when he was thirty two, he was just not good anymore and uh, his yeah. career was over. And he'd been putting up I, I guess he's a power forward because of his a lot of years with over a hundred penalty minutes. Yeah. So like, and one year with one fifty five. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think that means he probably was. But yeah. I mean, I never. This is a guy who played before I ever watched hockey, so I have no idea. <laughs> I I, I, just, I honestly don't remember him either. I mean, when I was, I want to say like ninety, ninety one, ninety two. And then '93, I started to know pretty much like all yeah, the players because yeah, so I was able already, to watch more and more of the game. Before that, that, it was point, I, I knew guys from being on hockey cards, you know. And yeah, what, yeah. what what people who you know say any of our younger listeners don't realize is you you really didn't get to see all of the NHL teams, <laughs> like except for yeah. that one game a year. They in your case when they played Toronto, in my case when they yeah. played Montreal. Yeah. It, unless they played that team, like you didn't get to see. Like you didn't even get to see all the highlights if you didn't have cable. If you didn't have TSN, you got to see like whatever your like they'd show three minutes of Montreal Canadiens highlights and then 
this team beat this team, this beat team beat this team. Here's a highlight from one of the games because it was special. That's it. Good night. Like what? Yeah. That's all yeah. I get to see. Like, yep, that's it. And that's why the the Rockham Sockums were so prized because you yeah. get to see the highlights from the entire NHL. You didn't get to see most of them until that tape came out. It was kind of yeah, kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, now it seems crazy that that's the way it was. Maybe it's maybe it's just because we you know we always had like a satellite antenna and I never had TSN. Maybe people were used to seeing the highlights if they had oh, TSN. No, man. I, I, mean, I didn't have TSN for, back then. for a very long time either, and I yeah. was not used to it either. Certainly. Yeah. Um, so the next trade is the is the Janney trade, which we talked about already, which we I think we both think was a reasonable decision by both teams at the time. Yes. And then a blockbuster in March '97. So again, at the deadline or near the deadline, um, where uh, Oates was traded uh, to Washington, and this is at this point, Oates is like he's thirty-four. So you, Boston is gam is banking on the fact that he is going to decline, right? Yeah. Like it makes sense. So he's traded with Bill Ranford, who I believe is also getting up there, and Rick Tockett, who was definitely getting up there, for Jim Carrey, who at the time was a the next great- coming of. Yes. Yeah, he just won a Vesna, I think. Uh, Anson Carter, Jason Allison, and a draft pick. Oh, man. That is a big trade. That is a really big trade. Yeah, and, uh, Anson Carter and Jason Allison were both really good players. Yeah. Though Jason Allison always looked like he was insanely slow. Oh, yeah, he totally did, but he didn't matter. He was so good anyways. Like, yeah. He would just, you'd be like, dude, that guy can't skate. But like, oh, he just scored another goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember when he's on Toronto and everyone's like, "Oh my God, he's so slow!" And he's like, "He still made his. He he still scored enough points to get his his bonuses." Absolutely. Um, he's a hell of a hockey player. So uh, Rick Talkett, how old was Rick Talkett? Rick Talkett was thirty three, almost thirty three. Ranford was thirty. Jim Carrey was twenty three. Anson Carter was twenty two. Allison was twenty one. So I mean, it makes sense from Boston's perspective to dump yeah. veterans, especially since I guess they would try to get like new players. I don't know. It was maybe that summer was the summer they drafted. Uh, Thornton. Uh, Thornton. So, so, yeah. So they would have been a, they would have been an, a bad team that year too. Oh yeah, totally. And I think Neely had retired because of his knee problems. Yeah. So it was getting up there. Yeah. But they're trying to get a new, a new core yeah. before maybe one last run with Bork and yeah. like, you know, they're getting prospects back. It makes a lot of sense from, um, from Boston's perspective, from yeah. Washington's perspective, it feels kind of like uh, it feels like they're trying to wind up for a playoff run. Yeah. Which, funnily enough, the next season they would go to the final. Not yeah. that season, but the next season. I don't know if Ranford and Tockett were still on the team, but Wopes was. Uh, um, I, I Ranford may have been the backup, but I know that uh, Olaf Kolzig was their goalie when they went that one. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, I, what I meant is I didn't. I wasn't sure if he was still around as the backup. Um, but, but of course it didn't actually end up being a disaster for Washington because Oates turns out was not aging like a normal human being (laughs) and and considered and remained good, um, for such a long period. In fact, uh, that, uh, um, it, it, it's, it's funny that like he was, I mean, he was still like valuable um mm-hmm. when in uh in um 2002 uh when he was traded at the deadline again uh because washington presumably at this point was 
bad. I assume they were bad in the in two thousand two. Yes, um, they were bad again. <laughs> when he was traded at age uh, uh, thirty nine, right before his pending free agency, for a bunch of pick of uh, uh, a twenty year old prospect and three picks. None of them worked out really. Um, no, they did not. But, but he was still like at 39 was still considered good enough to like drag in four assets, which yeah. strikes me as uh crazy. Well, um, back in those days, teams gave away assets like candy too, though. So. That's true. That's true. Um, but he didn't really help Philadelphia that year. Uh, he he did. Uh, did not have a good playoff. Um, and then I believe that was, was that the, that was the last trade and the other two teams were free agencies, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. yeah. So then he became a free agent. He signed with Anaheim, and then again, uh, and went to a, a cup final again, and then he uh, signed with Edmonton. Um, yeah. So uh, not quite as much movement as Janney, but almost as much. But unlike Janney, uh, Oates has a lot of accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a top five in heart voting once, uh, which would be the year that he uh, he had his best season. Um, he was a top 10 offensive player three times. Uh, he scored, he was not a great goal scorer, but he scored 45 goals in 1993 because, you know, why not? Everybody did. <laughs> um, but he also, that season as well, he had 90 assists. He was one of only five players to ever have 90 assists. Um, he's had 80 assists three times, one of only six players. Uh, he scored 140 points once, which uh, again in 93, one of only nine players. So yeah, his best year ever was one of the best seasons um, by players who were not uh, named Gretzky and Lemieux uh, ever. And uh, and he also, you know, he was a he led the league in assists three times. He um, he was top five in points three times. He had a couple second team All Star appearances, and he went to five All Star games. So very very different than Jenny's resume. A lot more. Yeah. And and led uh, the league board. in assists. Led the league in assists three times. Yeah, that's during the Gretzky era as well. Like Gretzky was still playing at that point. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. if you led the league in assists and Gretzky was still in the league, I'm assuming a couple of those must have come later on when Gretzky was starting to slow down a bit. But I well, mean, two still- of, actually, two of them were after Gretzky retired. Okay. Okay. So that makes one sense. of them was when Gretzky was in the league, and so was Lemieux. Okay. So there you go. Uh, would that have been the, the year that Brett Hull scored his 86 goals? Uh, no, no, that's 93 that he, he led the league assists. Okay, okay, so. But he, you know, he, he was still among oh, yeah. the leaders a lot. Like, he was in the top 10 and assists 12 times. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So, and, and same with this is per game. So it wasn't just because he was healthy. Um, and then he... Uh, Weirdly, he didn't really ever play internationally for Canada, at least not on successful teams. Wow. But he had, he was very close uh, to um, some success, uh, like Cups, he never won any, but he was the best forward on uh, the Capitals who didn't win the Cup in 1998. Um, And uh, he he also, uh, where was it? He uh, also didn't win the cup in 03, but was on a runner up that year as well, though he was far less of an important player. He was a top six forward. Um, he was the best 
uh, forward on the 92 Bruins who were in the conference finals. He was uh, one of the top three forwards um, on a conference final team in the 88 Red Wings. Um, so, you know, he had some team success more than Jenny. Not enough for those people who want everyone to have won a cup to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't, but, well, I don't think necessarily his fault given that no, it's know, bad luck. Thing was it's like it's not like he to me it's like oh you never want a cup but like how many deep playoff runs did the guy go on it's like okay yeah. that guy clearly had a lot of playoff success just maybe his team wasn't the best team that year even though he's a great player and played well in the playoffs just you know yeah. sometimes he's just not built for the the cup only one team wins it every year exactly he's got that many deep runs you know He's he got came, a lot of came close twice, right? Like he, yeah. he, uh, you know, uh, both in '98 and 2003, and uh, in '98, he was f far and away, I believe, the best forward on his team. Wow. So, um, you know, I mean, and and that's, you know, he was. They were playing against the '98 Red Wings. Yeah. Oh, they had no were, chance. Yeah. Uh, even even with Oates and yeah, Peter Bondra like scoring quite a bit. Just no chance. That team was stacked. So, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I don't think that's Oates' fault that they didn't win. No. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I when he wasn't in the Hall of Fame, like because he wasn't inducted immediately, right? Yeah. I uh, after like uh, he wasn't inducted when he was first eligible. There was a there was a stretch of what like six seven years i think where he was eligible so, and he wasn't yeah. inducted and yeah, i was it was weird though because a glut of hall of famers all retired at once so like there were yeah. so many great players that's true like i just yeah. i just sort of thought like it made sense to me that he would go in and like i when i look at this resume as if this is a hall of fame player like yeah to me. absolutely yeah and and so i just like i was surprised that it took as long as it did um and i'm not saying he's one of those people who should have been inducted the first year he was eligible just more like there were there was at least one year, probably the Dino Cicerelli year, where I was like, the year, the infamous year that I keep mentioning, where like only Dino Cicerelli was inducted, and you're yes. like, what? Yeah, there were all these other eligible players, and uh, Adam Oates being one of them, where you're just like, what? What is happening? Um, yeah. Did he say something about somebody's wife or something? Why is he not going in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, um, so I I think. For me, he's a slam, like, you know, he's not like Joe Sack level slam dunk, but he's slam dunk. Yeah, and, oh, yeah he's uh, definitely in. Um, yeah. I think, you know, if if it weren't for guys like Gretzky and Lemieux, you'd probably be talking about the best passer you've ever seen. You know, yeah. like just, I mean, it. I don't think you'd say he's the best hockey player you've ever seen, the way you can say about Gretzky and Lemieux. Yeah. But if in terms of just like a, this guy can pass the puck like almost nobody else, I'm saying, you know, it, I want to say the only guy I've seen like that since Adam Oates where it's like he, he's a good hockey player and everything else. But when it comes to passing, he is just so like far enough. I would say maybe Joe Thornton is a lot like Jordan. that yeah, yeah. now nowadays and maybe Henrik Sedin. And those are the guys I'm thinking of where it's like, yeah, the guy might score 15 or 20 goals a year, but he's going to rack up like 60 assists every year because the guy can just flat out pass the puck yeah. and can make passes nobody else can make sort of thing, you know? Um, yeah. So that's that's the way I think of Adam Oates. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I watched less of his career than you did because I didn't pay a lot of attention. Um, when I was when I was briefly a fan at, during his peak, I was only a Leafs fan. That's all I cared about. 
and <laughs> and also I believe, or at least part of that, he was. Uh, actually, no, he was on Boston by that point. Um, but then later, when I became a fan again, um, he was definitely older, yeah, and uh, and not um, the player he was, but he was still racking up assists. I mean, he was still leading the league in assists at that point. And I just remember him being a very good passer. I also remember being weirdly excited. So Edmonton's like my backup team. And like I, uh, though that's, you know, it's a terrible thing to have at the moment. But um, when I, I do remember when he came to the Oilers, I was like, maybe he'll do what he did on the Ducks. And then he was just, he was just done. Yeah. Yeah. He had run out of he was, he, he, he was too old. He was, uh, he no was matter, no matter how short he cut his stick or how, how short he made the blade. He was not going to be able to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, that's mostly my memory of him is like being like being surprisingly like important on the, on the 2003 ducks and then being like not good at all when he, when Edmonton signed him. Yeah. Um, and being old, those are my primary memories of him, which is unfortunate, but, um, but yeah, uh, I think he's an absolute like belongs in the hall. Yep. Like you said, one of the great passers of all time. And uh and yeah, it's it's uh maybe not the world's greatest coach. We don't know. Um <laughs> maybe he needs another opportunity, I have no idea. But uh yeah. I think he'll get another shot at some point. Yeah, probably. I mean they usually do. Yeah. So Lastly, we have a player who doesn't really relate to the first two in any way, except for the fact that he chalked up a bunch of assists. What what sounds like very little assists because we're talking about 106, but <laughs> was a lot. That was a, was lot. a lot back in those days. They only in counted one of them. Sometimes. Yeah, was, that was a lot. Yeah, and there were no forward. There was no forward pass for like half of this period. So. Um, so we're talking about Reggie Noble, who was a forward for a while and then a defenseman. He played 16 seasons from 1917 to 1933. And uh, he he was... The reason we're talking about him is that when he retired, he, he was sixth in assists ever. Um, but for a... Uh, I believe he had the career... Yeah, he had the career record for uh, assists two separate times during his career, but first in 1925 and then 1930. So he was among the elite passers of his era. Um, and, uh, you know, he briefly even, he also had the career lead in assists per game for a season. Um, so, I mean, he was, you know, he wasn't maybe Frank Boucher, but he was a major, uh, passer, um, for the era, whether at forward or defense, cause I don't think it dropped off that much when he switched positions, which was a much more common thing back then, by the way. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they did that, uh, I feel like a lot more frequently than they do now. Um, there was less, like, I think part of it was you weren't trained from such a young age, right? So you, yeah. you, you were like a little more willing to switch positions than than if you'd like played like wing your entire life, and someone's like, oh, oh now you played defense. I'm like I'm thirty. Yeah, I've never played defense. What's wrong with you? Um, oh, and also at the time they were, you know, it wasn't like today where you know the, you you have a guaranteed contract or anything. It was like, hey, I'll give you, you know. $3,000 for the season. If you play defense, be like, uh, that's the most money I've ever heard of. I will do whatever you say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Just in, in those days, basically like, oh, what? I have a job. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Send me out there, coach. I'll do whatever you want. Um, so he, <laughs> you know, the game was very different. Uh, then. So he, 
you know, you can tell how, how drastically different it changed. His three-year peak was 1917 to 1920 when he averaged 34 points per 24-game season. But his 82-game average for his career is 44 points. So he went from he went from scoring a lot as a winger to not very much at all as a as a defenseman. But the league also changed. Like you know, the first couple seasons of the NHL were really wide open, relatively speaking, and then it sort of tightened up. Yeah. And uh, and then it broke open again in the uh, in the 30s. But like um, that that happened sort of like you know. Noble was in his mid thirties when that happened. So, yeah. and it was playing defense um, and was putting up like seven points in a season and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so things had changed. Um, yeah. So like he racked up his assists that he racked up that put him sixth all time uh, were like all in the, uh, you know, the first uh, basically the first like eight years of his career. And uh, and then you know he switched to defense not that long after, and then he just he 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 had the career lead you know not long, a few years into his career as a defenseman, and he essentially lost it because he kept playing as a defenseman and yeah. was not um, you know it was also uh, we don't have ice time, but presumably playing a smaller and smaller role because he was in his mid thirties. Yeah. Um, he uh, also like you always like to point out the hilariousness of their adjusted numbers. So if you adjust his his numbers, uh, his 82 game average is 129 points, which is of course utterly ridiculous. Um, he uh, he was traded uh, three times. Um, it was a weird time, so two of those times were for cash. Cash money. Yeah, and. Uh, he also uh, was traded for at one point someone who was 14 years younger than him, named John Gallagher, who I believe put had one brief decent year. No, no, he had no decent years. But he was he was like that's how much that's how old uh, Noble was near the end of his career is that he could be traded for someone who was 14 years younger than him. Man, that's crazy. Um, yeah, he he briefly played in the NHA. And uh, you know, uh he was he was all right. Um he had one good season, but he was young. You know, he was one of these we're getting to the point now where these guys who did play in the NHA were quite young. Um when they played in the NHA, he was in his teens. And so it's not a surprise that he only had one good year. But he was uh he was a good uh he had a good NHL career. I mean he uh, point shares, which are flawed, rank some of them as a, one of the best players in the league in 1919, and uh, a, you know a, a great uh, a great forward two separate years, and then a, later when he switched to defense, a great defenseman one year. Yeah, um, and he was on a bunch of leaderboards. He also set the single season record in assists in the first NHL season, which is something notable, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he had a, you know, he had a, a pretty decent NHL career and, uh, he, I, I feel like I'd, I forgot to write something down about him because I can't see that here. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I forgot to mention earlier on before his accomplishments, he was also the uh, first ever, uh, NHL Ironman sort of thing. I mean, I don't know in the 
in the sense we use the word now, in the sense that he never took a game off, but he was the career leader in games when he retired. Oh, nice. So um, 510 games, and I have a note here that says he was well over a season ahead of the next person when he retired. Man. So, so the next person would have had, like, in the low 400s. Yeah. So he played, he played forever. Um, so in addition to playing forever, he also had some, some good years. He was a, you know, he was a good forward. He was among the best forwards in the league for at least six years. And he was briefly among the best defensemen by DPS, which, you know, we can't really take that seriously, but, um, and, uh, he won the Stanley Cup a couple times, uh, early on when he was a forward still, uh, for Toronto and, uh, and then again later he won as a defenseman with the Maroons. I believe he was a defenseman on the Maroons. I wow. don't think I was able to confirm that for sure. Yeah. But no, no, I think you absolutely sorry. I think it was for sure. I just wasn't sure whether he was their best defenseman or not because it's hard to know back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he so he won three cups as well. So he won three cups and you know, as a defenseman and a forward, showed yeah. his, you know, how versatile he was, you know set records and then, you know, uh, broke them again a few late, few years later was clearly, uh, you know, in, in those days, oh, I think almost everybody scored more goals than they racked up assists because yeah. I just don't think they accounted assists very much. Like, Maybe. hey, did you see who passed that guy the puck before he skated through three people and scored? Nope. All right, then. Just put it up as a single goal. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody really cares. But, you know, and so I, I think in that way, the fact that he also would was scoring goals, but then set records for assists as well. It's like he must have been a pretty awesome player to be able to do, you know, to be scoring, you know, big amounts of goals, not necessarily record setting goals, but also having that many assists when they, you know, they didn't count all of them. Um, they didn't have the secondary assist. And then he's able to play not only forward, but defense and be good enough to be a cup winner on uh, at both positions. I mean, yeah. I, I can't see a reason to, take a guy like that out of the hall um, yeah oh, no absolutely not and i mean i you know i think you can quibble and just just for another reason he should be in i think i think you can quibble right now with people who play a really long time like someone who plays like luke richardson for example who <laughs> i think when he retired was like 20th overall in games played now he isn't anymore but i think he yeah. was at the time you know you could like you'd have to be like pretty ridiculous which i was at one point to say like that guy belongs in the Hall of Fame just because he's 20th overall in games played. Yeah. But this guy was like the first guy to play 500 games. Wow. You know, like that's even if he hadn't had his offensive achievements. Yeah. To me, that's that's a big deal. It's and it's a big deal in those days too, because they just didn't play that many games. So I mean Exactly, exactly. I mean, most most of the guys who were retiring in 33 had played 300 games. Like it was exactly like, he was he was he was in a league of his own in that regard. And I feel like that is like, that would have been such a remarkable thing in 1933. Yeah. Um, that even that on its own would probably be like, you know, you're in the hall of fame. You, uh, you know, you did this thing that no one else has done. Yeah. Um, he was playing full seasons in his mid thirties at a time when I don't think many people were so yeah. in their mid thirties. So. Yeah. And I mean, uh, for, for an owner to keep you around, you had to be worth the money. Yeah. Um, you know, like in those days, it's like you, if you, if the team wasn't successful, you know, uh, you weren't going to get paid if, you know, you weren't drawing 
fans in terms of like, hey, we've got Reg Noble and this other guy, and uh, we're going to go make a run at the cup this year. But like, oh, we've got 8,000 people in the stands. It's like, if you're not part of that draw, the owner's definitely not going to want to pay you. So you're not going to play that many games. He'd rather just trade you or pay, like sort of just be like, I'm not paying you, go home kind of thing, you know? Um, so he, he must have been that um, well-regarded and steady of a player to just, you know, consistently have teams and owners wanting him to play in every single game. Um, you know, I guess the NHL had changed enough at that point where like a team roster would be set and like you got paid for the whole season, but to keep getting rehired season after season um, is saying something else, especially when you're getting up in your, you know, mid to late thirties. Um, very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I think, I think he's, it makes complete sense that he's in and, yeah. and there's just no reason to even, like you said, to even think about like coming up with reasons why he shouldn't be. I mean, yeah, it makes sense to me. He's in. So to recap, Janny. Janny, an unfortunate no, cause I know he was really good, but I, I kind of have to say no. Yeah. I have to say no as well. Oats. Definite. Yes. Definite. Yes. As well. Reg Noble. Definite yes. Yeah. Another controversial episode where we we're really we upset with each other's opinions on We're gonna we're gonna get to somebody I hate at one point, Riley, and then we'll have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Um and even you'll you'll make like a really convincing stats point and I'll be like, Yeah, but he's got a big nose. <laughs> make a, one of those compelling arguments. Uh, we are we are gonna talk about uh Matt's and Alfredson soon. Oh, okay. And, well, uh, bad to say against Really, no, either one. Of say, as a as a Leafs fan, I'm supposed to absolutely despise Daniel Alfredson. That's my job, apparently. Yes. I don't, but I'm supposed to. Um, my brother, uh, like once, like I was like saying, talking about like Daniel Alfredson's like peak and how it was, you know, very good for like very very good for a brief period of time, yeah. and. And my brother said something like, I just don't like his face. You know? like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Going by that, there's a lot of people whose faces I don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that might be our next episode, or it's either it's either a uh, Swedish episode or a um, Russian episode. We just haven't decided which. And, of course, we're obviously going to have a really hard time fitting in an old-timer with either of those themes. So it'll either be a Swedes plus some guy or Russians plus some guy. Yes, or some guy with a Russian-sounding last name. Yeah. (laughs) Don't paint me into a corner. Uh, (laughs) So uh, we hope you will tune in for that one, and we will see you next time. Take care.